Well, welcome to the Memoirs of Abiding podcast. I'm Chris Bryant. We wanted to start something a little different and counter to what many have been taught or learned through experience. Our topics will be practical and theological, focusing on what the early church thought. What we are going to talk about isn't some new idea, but rather an old idea gaining traction again. Our tell is sharing our experiences and looking at the Bible and this material. Our ask is that you will take it into your own devotion time and ask the Lord how to best apply it. We will talk about this material each week, and we have blogs addressing practical applications at www.memoirsofabiding.com. We hope you experience God through talking about His Word with us. Welcome back to the Memoirs of Abiding podcast, where we dive into the complexities and the simplicities of abiding in the Lord. And this month, we are talking about the desires of the heart. Last week, last episode, we talked about the desires of the heart in regards to reading God's word. And it actually had a, a, a lot of good information on there. And this week, we are diving into communication with God. So prayer. And I think this is one that uh, we need in, in America, at least. And I've heard in Canada and Australia. So I, I would venture to guess this is something that's uh, needed to be talked about across the, the globe. And to help me talk about this, I've got Ricky back. Ricky, welcome. Thanks for continuing to invite me, Chris. I, I, it's one of my highlights every time we do this. So it's a pure joy. Well, thankfully, we didn't get too many emails uh, in about your comments last week, you know. <laughs> um, yes, so, so as a pastor and as a as a biblical uh, mentor, uh, leader, this first question I want to ask you, and it may it may vary a lot, but describe the typical prayer life of a church congregant someone that you know the the typical one don't don't give me specific examples of individuals but what's the typical prayer yeah, life look gotcha. like? uh well um this is a that's a really tough question because the only way i can answer that is by what i observe or what what people over the years have shared with me so let me start with the first one with observation, which would would be, you know, when you're in a small group Bible study or at church or or, you know, smaller groups or whatever that might happen to be in observing kind of how people pray. If they, if somebody chooses to pray out loud or not, which, by the way, is not a measure of spiritual maturity or anything like that. It's just making an observation of when people pray. And when they when they mention prayer request or when a group is going into corporate prayer, <clears throat> what are the requests and what are the things that we pray about? And I would say that the vast majority of time when we pray, it's always like personalized, uh, you know, the term supplication, asking God about our needs or desires so most of the time people will you know they'll pray about 
somebody is sick, somebody's out of work, and, and those are all a billion times legitimate. They're, you know, one of the most basic things about prayer that we find in the Bible is, you know, make your requests known to God. Come and talk to God about your your issues, your desires, your hopes, your dreams. But there's another aspect to that observation. It's what I see oftentimes that's missing. Uh, in a very, very, in a much smaller scale, do people pray about issues of the Great Commission, issues of holiness, issues about confession of sin. Now, I'm not suggesting that people don't do that privately, uh, but corporately, we don't see it very often. At least I don't see it very often. Um, but I don't know how to measure that other than literally asking people. And then it's always a personal reason why that might happen to be the case. So um, that observation is been my observation those two observations have been my observations for 40 years now uh, the other aspect is if i if i talk to somebody and ask them about their prayer life uh, there's common themes that people often it's hard to pray and you know what i agree with them uh i i don't know how, i don't know what to say when I pray. I feel awkward when I pray. And here I'm talking about personal prayer or or maybe family prayer or husbands and wives praying together. I don't think about praying. Um, I don't feel the presence of God. Therefore, I don't feel an urgency to speak with God. I don't pray regularly. I don't feel very much when I pray. All of those kind of statements that are, you know, less than favorable assessments of, 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 a, of prayer life, I hear fairly regularly. On, on fewer occasions, I hear people talking about how excited they are about their prayer life. Uh, those that are learning to abide in the Lord uh, see their prayer life increasing. Uh, those are fewer people, but when, it, when it's happening, it is pretty exciting for them. And of course, as me chatting with them, I'm excited for them. Those are some observations that I can make about what I what I my personal feelings might happen to be about what the general typical prayer life is. But again, that's anecdotal. It's not uh, something I can say is universal or whether it's a vast majority of people. It's only majority and minority in my own personal experience, which is obviously limited. No, I've heard through my years um especially with with the military jumping back and forth between uh, the upper midwest or outside of chicago to charleston south carolina up to 
the Kitsap Peninsula up there in, in Washington State. I was in California. Now I'm in Tennessee. So five states, uh, different churches in each. And there are not a lot of focuses from the church on prayer other than the Lord's Prayer. And, um, you know, th there's there's a good bit that can be gleaned from that. But as you were saying that, I'm not sure I ever, I, I can't think of too many sermons where the person who was preaching or a Bible study, where they were talking about having corporate prayer over holiness. Great, great commission, of course. Yeah, that's that one has hit a lot in um, praying for missionaries, praying for um, the church to grow in certain areas. Um, I've seen that outstandingly done um, in many different churches. So I'm I'm proud to say um, from that perspective, I love to see that. But over righteousness and holiness, I've not seen a lot um, in that. Um, but I I too have. Um, and I have lived the the prayers over needs and desires. Um, and I've heard a lot of the the people saying the same thing. It's hard to pray. I feel awkward. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to pray. Um, I don't feel the presence of God. So I don't really feel a need or a desire to do it. And I too have seen and heard some people saying that they were excited about their prayer life, that they are diving in uh some churches even have like a team of prayer warriors that they send out prayer requests to and it's always refreshing to hear you know those individuals so i don't want to by any means generalize every christian in the world under you know this lethargic prayer life but i just wanted to kind of discuss what we might see with um, some of these different positions on uh typical prayer life of of people do you find ricky either in your church or in churches that you visited a focus on the theme of prayer and if so what what within that theme has been the focus even when you were in youth for christ what what was kind of the focus with prayer if there wasn't you, you by theme you mean what are the things we're typically praying about yeah or what do we what is said about prayer what's um what's taught with prayer well i i, I can i i can't speak to, to other churches i can only speak to to my situation uh we have thankfully at 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 at, at west sound community church uh, developed a very uh um i'm going to use the the keywords both quantitative and quality quantity and quality we've developed in prayer and uh i think i think that quantity and quality has always been there to some degree but with the uh, but i'll just be honest with the advent of texting <laughs> it has become much more visible in the life of our church. And what I mean by that is instead of the old fashioned prayer chain kind of thing, you know, where you call somebody and then they call somebody and you pass a request down that line. Texting has given us, you know, like near instantaneous almost communication. 
So both people who are a part of West Sound's family fellowship, both locally in where we are located in the Puget Sound area of Washington State, as well as people outside our geographical area like you, uh, are the recipients of of uh, text messages that are basically just praise and prayer uh, opportunities. Yeah. And in those, they really uh, run across the, well, I think what we would want to see in prayer, uh, there's, there's typically health issues and stuff like that. And we, you know, if you correlate, if it's time and correlation, uh, the level of encouragement that people receive, knowing that they're a part of a, a good prayer movement, and they're the recipients of other people's prayer, is is really strong. That level of encouragement is really strong. We have, you know, the basic three responses from God occurring all the time. Yes, uh, no, uh, wait. Uh, sometimes we pray and pray and pray. Uh, we have prayed for years about certain situations and then seen breakthroughs that appear to us to be miraculous. And I'm not talking about, you know, uh, physical calamities, things like that. I've seen, we've seen uh, families restored after years of praying. We've seen spiritual, mental, emotional health restored after years of praying. Um, a lot of those things. And that that happens on a weekly basis. Nearly every week, there's one or two text messages that go out that everybody's praying about. So at least observationally, that's a theme that I see in my church. If I use the anecdotes of talking with other pastors and other people, and even our own church, I don't see what you're referring to in the sense of, of themes. I The only discussion I usually hear is we need to pray more and we're not praying enough, which is the same statement, just from the positive or the negative side. Yeah, and then, yeah. and then related to that is how are we going to get people to pray more? You know, how do we fix this dilemma? Um, so I, I don't. That's a long way around the, the theme thing. Uh, at least for West Sound, the theme would be persistent, consistent. Uh, true, sincere conversation with God, recognizing that he's sovereign, that we, while just like Jesus, we get to lay all of our problems at the feet of the Father. Uh, we can ask him to change things, but in the end, as Jesus said, nevertheless, not our will, but your will be done. That would That theme is... I guess that would be our theme, what the Lord Jesus prayed in the garden. You know, if this cup can pass, please, please, please let it go by. Not our will, but your will be done. Um, 
Sorry, meandering again. That, that's a theme, uh, as much as you didn't want to admit it. Yeah, yeah no, that's... Yeah. Yeah, but that theme, I, I've heard different themes. Uh, and what I mean by theme is just uh, some sort of teaching that is on point. So maybe the point is, what are they, the, uh, there used to be a teaching. I think I, I got it at West Sound back in like, I don't know, way back then, 2006 or something. I think and I know where you're like, headed now. Yeah, yeah. And it was like uh, the, the four aspects of, of prayer. It's uh, adoration and confession, confession and tea. Thanksgiving, Thanksgiving and uh, supplication, supplication. There it was. <laughs> The so that Acts. would be like that would be like a theme as far as like teaching a prayer breakdown or yeah, yeah. um you know kind of kind of going those routes but what you said is is also a great theme and um the reason why I asked that is some of the statements that you made and that I've heard too it's hard to pray I feel awkward when I pray I don't know what to say I don't feel the presence of God I don't ever think of praying and I don't think to pray regularly and I'm, I'm just wondering as, and I don't normally just wonder out loud at the podcast, but this kind of sparked this question in my head. I wasn't actually asking this question. Surprise, Ricky. But the, uh, this, <laughs> these statements to me, if I was, if I was going to make these about something other than prayer, like, I, I don't know. It's hard to run. I feel awkward when I run. I don't know how to run. I, I don't ever feel good about it. So I don't ever think of going on a run. Well, maybe they never learned how to run properly, or they never learned the, the health benefits of running or, you know what I'm saying? Like, so then I, I wonder just in general, because as I think in my, I, I lead a ministry uh, leader, I'm just lead kindergarten through third grade at our church. And I think of the the topics and the stories and, you know, the Lord's prayer was one of them, but I never really see us focus on like teaching the kids how to pray other than modeling it once at the end of the story, once at the end of the lesson. And then if there's something specific that happens during the service, you know, we might pray for a kid, but we don't ever talk about the things to pray for, or, you know, that, mm -hmm. that it can be a, not just a, a daily thing, but it can be an hourly thing. It could be an every other, you know, minute thing. It could be when I sit down and when I stand up, it can be when I eat, it could be after I eat, it could be during I, then the time that I'm eating. It can be any time, but we, we don't focus on that. And I'm, I'm thinking about this, uh, just as we had a, a, a meeting about, you know, this ministry, this uh, kindergarten through third grade ministry. And so I wonder, you know, if we're not equipping the kids to learn what prayer can be and looks like, then when they become teenagers, are they going to say, it's hard to pray? I feel awkward when I pray. You know, like, are am I as a leader not teaching them what prayer looks like and showing examples in the New Testament and the Old Testament? when individuals prayed in different ways maybe it was out of desperation maybe it was out of rejoicing maybe it was out of a, a deep need for something but you know i i can't point at many times i've said that now in these discipleship groups i know we have focused a lot on prayer and i've heard a lot of people change their position on prayer 
that they're excited in prayer, that they pray throughout the day on a regular basis. So it seems like for me, if, if I can step into my, my teacher mode that I have, if we teach the value of prayer and the modeling of prayer through all the saints throughout the history, then people have a better understanding of what prayer is. And then maybe it's not so awkward and maybe it's not so difficult because they've seen 10 or 12 different authors in the Bible pray. Uh, and so they think, oh, well, this one prayed this way, but I don't have to follow that because I saw Paul pray in this way for others. I saw Jesus praying over the disciples and John 17. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wonder, just wondering out loud if if that's something we're missing as a church-wide. I don't know. I, th I think about things like that, like that as well. Um, I don't know. I, I know that in my own personal experience of trying to teach people, uh, spent lots of time teaching people about prayer. It still comes back as very hard to do. Doesn't stick, huh? Yeah. Um, I think, I think there's, I think, I think no doubt there's a part of that solution is people need to know better what prayer is, what it looks like, especially how Jesus himself prayed. Yeah. There's also just a, a, a reality that apart from close abiding in this, you know, this whole, this whole entire memoirs of abiding podcast is dedicated to the idea of having this close, wonderful, dependent relationship with the Trinity. And out of that dependency, out of that abiding comes an acknowledgement and a, an experience of the presence of God. That when that is not a part of one's experience, it's inevitable that prayer is 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 hard. It's hard. It's it's a it's a I think people can sit down to dinner and pray for a meal. I think when people are in small groups, they can have a prayer circle. I I think all of that's not hard, but a but a but a relevant meaningful continual running conversation with god is hard you think an equivalent in the world of academics would be a professor that's extremely well known extremely respected and a student being very nervous to ask a question but on the flip side another professor that they have a good relationship with and they talk to pretty regularly and they've got to know that they feel more open and, and asking questions. Do you think that would be like an equivalent, um, at least as far as, you know, what, what we're talking about? Yeah, because it is relational, right? And when you have a, when you have a relationship that you're used to you're accustomed to that's give and take that is that's measurable right and meaningful it's way easier to chat 
than when you don't have that. No. So what about this question? Why is prayer not a deep desire for most Christians? Why do you think that is? In that particular, in that one, uh, I, that one is easier for me to answer because I find the answer to that in, in the word of God. Um, if we look at the life of the Lord Jesus, his, um, his prayer life, was based upon his dependence on his father in heaven. Now we've talked about that in our in our in previous podcasts on a lot of occasions. It's at the heart of abiding. Jesus says, as I abide in my father, so also you abide in me. Now that second phrase, so also you abide in me, is a directive not a statement of fact. He's not saying, you know, the truth is, the fact of the matter is, is I abide in my father. And the fact of the matter is, is you abide in me. He's, you know, he's making, he's, he's making a directive as, as I abide in my father. Now you learn to abide in me. Well, in, in the word dependence is at the heart of, uh, is at the heart of abiding. If you're not completely dependent upon somebody, then it's it's uh, it's difficult to have a relationship. And by dependent, I don't mean you know. I'm not saying that I have to be codependent with a spouse or a friend or a brother or a sister or mother or father. By dependent, I mean a mutually responsive relationship. Now, there's a complete distinction between that and someone who's completely equal. But in a, in the case of the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they have complete confidence in one another, complete dependence upon one another. And then God invites us into that abiding circle. Does that make sense? I mean, we can look at that more carefully if you'd like to, but without that, um, without that, we're we're left to our own devices. I know it sounds kind of cryptic if we don't take that a little bit more. Um, um, what's the word? I'm, if we don't get a little bit more particular about what I'm talking about. That seems to be kind of in line with John 14, John 15, um, when. Jesus starts talking about abiding in me and, and then, you know, continuing on in John 16. Um, but yeah, I, I would like to, I mean, even just somewhat reviewing that if we haven't already covered that, what? Well, well, consider this, like in, in Luke chapter two, Jesus is 12 years old and, he, and uh, the family along with, with all the rest of the families had gone to Jerusalem for, you know, they do that from time to time for special occasions. And then it was time to caravan back home. And while the family, you know, got their goods and they joined the caravan, they're all headed back. And Mary discovers that Jesus isn't with them, right? Uh, and they become filled with anxiety. 
Um, and so they return to Jerusalem and they're looking for him. And when they 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 found uh, Jesus at the temple, and they you know, well, where have you been? You know, what are you doing? And Jesus said, why were you looking for me? Didn't you know that I must be in my father's house? And that he's referring to the temple, God the Father. So in a few more verses we read, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. So what we learn from that initial portrait of the young 12-year-old Jesus is that when he came to earth, while God the Son did not give up his deity, he did not practice or exercise his deity on earth. He, when he, in the incarnation, when he became a, a human like us, he depended upon his Father the way God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit want us to depend upon the trinity if you move ahead to john chapter 8 verses 28 and 29 jesus explained how he and the father were a complete testimony to his identity uh and he and in doing so he uh, once again he declares his dependence on the father he said when you have lifted up the son of man then you will know that i am he and that i do nothing on my own authority but speak just as the Father taught me, and he who sent me is with me. He's not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. So everything he did while he was on earth, he did in dependence upon the Father. Jumping ahead to John chapter 12, he proclaimed uh, the fact that he came to save the world. He cried out these words, whoever believes in me, believes not in me, but in him who sent me. Again, that's the Father. And whoever sees him who sent me, I have come into the world as a light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. The word that I have spoken will judge him on that last day, for I have not spoken on my own authority. But the Father who sent me has himself given me this commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say, as the Father has told me. So not only the works of Jesus, but the very words of Jesus belong to the Father. So there is this perfect connection. And we could say, well, of course, because it's God the Father and God the Son. And if we went elsewhere, we'd see God the, the Holy Spirit. So this, this mystery to us, but not to God, three in one, there's complete harmony, complete dependence, complete confidence. But when Jesus teaches us how to live our lives as believers, he points to that truth. The passages I read were all lead up to him saying to the early disciples and to us, as we understand, you know, like the prayer in John 17, he not only prayed for his, at that time, present disciples, but for all of us, that we would have this dependency abiding relationship. So if we lean into this idea that 
if Jesus on earth, his entire life, including his work, his words, his prayer, flowed from this abiding, dependent relationship with his Father and with the Spirit. And then he turns to us and says, as I abide in my Father, you abide in me. Okay, so we might not yet, a, a listener might not yet know what exactly does it mean to abide in Jesus. But based on what I've just now said, one can understand that if that's what this, if that was the secret to Jesus's prayer life, then it has to be the secret to an effective prayer life for us. And so the answer is, you know, why is why is prayer not an urgency, a greater desire for people? It's because they don't know they can have the a rich, abundant, incredible prayer life that Jesus had with the Father, because they still are wrestling with the idea of abiding and as a result of that not experiencing the joy in the presence of god get to, get to the place where you experience the joy of the presence of god then you want to talk to him all the time because you begin to you know you see him at work in your life all the time and that joy increases now you or i or or in some, you know, some of our listeners recognize that Allison joins us on the podcast from time to time. Uh, all of us share a, a testimony of what I just said, that, that prayer now is a much more vital component of our life because it's, it feels more natural because we are experiencing God in our life. Yeah. Yeah. Now it's your podcast, so it's your job. <laughs> to point to the listeners, you know, which of the many podcasts now, you know, could they go back and listen to, to get a clearer picture of what it looks like to abide in the Lord. I gave yeah. a, a few verses from Luke and two from two passages, one passage from Luke and two from John that showed what Jesus was doing, but there's so much more to that. Right. Yeah. yeah and you know, we've covered an entire month on, on prayer. And if you if you just check out some of them on prayer, we even just went straight through Jesus's prayers. Yeah, um, we went through Moses's prayers. We went through Jeremiah's prayers. So we've talked about prayer, and then of of course the entirety of the the podcast is about the different aspects or themes within abiding. And I, I think you know just talking about those this idea of abiding driving you to have a more fruitful prayer life i think is is i think you're dead on is is what we're missing i'll tell you from my position you know being a christian at 15 uh, i had zealous prayers when i first became a christian it's like between 14 and 15 somewhere around there and it was all about like i want this friend to come to christ and i want this friend to come to christ and i want these friends to come to christ because my entire friendship group, except for maybe one person who's the one who brought me to Christ, none of them knew Christ. So it was yeah. like, I, I want them all to know it. And I want my mom and I want my dad. And I want, and, and I started naming off family members. And then, you know, I, I heard about mission trips and I'm praying over mission trips and the, these different churches, you know, in England and France and Germany and Asia minor you know in the, the muslim countries and africa and south america you know like I'm, i was just zealous to pray over these things and as time continued on 
and I, I settled more into a, a relaxed position in my faith of, of this, oh, I'm, I'm saved and it helps me to lead a more moral life. Um, my prayer life kind of just drizzled down to, let me focus on my core group. And I, I still have, um, if, do you remember the, we used to do those, uh, 48 hour, um, or not, no 48 hour prayer. Do you remember that? We, there's yeah. a funny story with that one, but we did that 48 hour prayer at West Down, And I don't know if it continued on, but I know we did it one year, um, when I was there and for 48 hours, we had someone praying in the church office every hour of the time we had someone dedicated to an hour and we had tools that they could use resources like a, a world map or a music player with like some worship music on there and uh and different prayer cards that they can write out and that was great and i love that because what that did is that allowed me then to get into a space that was quiet and then i could I could allow my mind to be immersed in all of the different things that might draw me to prayer. I might look at the map and say, you know what? I'm going to pray for my little town. And I put a little pin in there. You know what? I'm just gonna, I'm going to pray for my whole county. If county is a big thing where you're from. Or, or I might pray for my state. I might pray for America. I might pray for the church as a whole. And then all of a sudden it's drawing out more prayers as things go in. And it, it was it was kind of an interesting uh, experience for me. I've done a few of those at different churches and I loved it. But what that did is it brought a desire, at least for a little while after, to continue praying for those things. And what I did is I, I wrote out this fun list of all the friends and, and people that I had close acquaintances. And then I also wrote out some prayer requests that I had and uh, for characteristics of individuals in the Bible that I wanted to exemplify as well and they they were all different things and and so I, I started praying on those specific things because those were important to my heart and as long as I had that present in my life I could always remember oh I want to pray for those people I want to pray for that thing but there was a while where it got put in a pile somewhere and I couldn't find it recently I found it again but the, hmm. the point I'm trying to make is at different times in our life we get hyper focused on certain prayers and we have a great prayer life in those times for those specific things. Maybe it opens up to more, but we definitely get hyper-focused on like prayer for a sick child. Oh my goodness. You won't find a, a, a bigger prayer warrior than a parent uh, who's a Christian when their child is struggling for life, right? Like that's yeah. a big moment yeah. when and someone as, is- as it, as it should be. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But- you know, continuing on, maybe three years later, the parent may have settled into more of this relaxed position where they're they're not in emergency prayer mode. And so prayer isn't a big part of their life. So I like this this understanding of abiding in the Lord because with God on our mind, and remember, if you've heard the other podcasts, following back with those, if you haven't, review some of them because what we talk about with abiding is it's a it's an everyday thing. It's not I read my Bible for 10 minutes every morning, call it good for the day. I, I say my prayer before lunch, before dinner. I say it in the morning and I'm good. This is a, an everyday, everything. Just as Ricky pointed out, Jesus saying, my words are not my words. My actions are not my actions. What he's saying is everything that I'm doing on this earth is a reflection of God the Father in me and through me, Right. And so this, this idea of abiding is an every day, every hour, every minute 
this is who I am. It's it's me reflecting uh, Christ Jesus in and through me to other people. So if that's the case, then it, it's just like on my mind having this prayer list that I can look at and I could say, oh, I wanted to pray for that person. Oh, I wanted to pray for that person. Oh, there's an accident on the side row. I'm going to pray for that. Oh, I see this person, you know, pulled over by a police car. I, I pray for both of them. Oh, you know, and all these things start coming to my mind because it's a reflection of Christ inside of me. But when I busy myself and I step away from abiding, then I might think of like, oh, I've, I've got to think of all these different projects at work that I've got to do. Or I've got to think of when I get home, you know, I've got to talk to my kids. We got to go play football. We, I got to focus on teaching these fundamentals. We, we miss it. And it's no longer about Christ reflected in us, but it's about us being able to perform and do all of these tasks. And I think when we get into that mode, even if we were abiding for a season, that puts us back into, I feel hard to pray. I feel it's awkward to pray. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to pray for. And it's because we're so, again, hyper-focused on not abiding, living that, but on these different aspects, the busyness of life. We we talked about that in one of our podcasts, the busyness of life, drawing us yep. away from God and into our own, own problems, right? And it it causes conflict and quarrel when we do that. Yeah, I'm, as always, or at least 99% of the time, when you draw some of those things out and and put particulars and situations into the, the the truth of the Bible that you're describing, all I can say is well said. It I I don't I wouldn't know what to add to that. You know, we just every time we have to keep coming back to this idea, as does Jesus, so must we. Right? He's our he's our mom. As does yeah. Jesus, so must we. And and I and I think getting over that hurdle of well, he's Jesus. I can't do like Jesus says, right? Uh, no, you can't be God. No, you can't work miracles. No, yeah, you, you're not going to be perfect. We get all that, but it's Jesus who's asking us to do this. It's Jesus who says, as I do, you also do. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't ask that of a believer in some kind of cruel trickery, right? Yeah. You know, he, uh, he dad, yes, son, let's just tell them they can have a great prayer life. But we know they never will. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> yeah, you know. Um, we like... Another good example is like when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist. Uh, readers, if you'd like to read about this, it's Matthew chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 14, and then go down to chapter 4, verse 11. And it's this whole thing where Jesus is baptized, and then it says he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and for 40 days and nights he, he fasted, and then he had this encounter a conflict with with Satan. And I think we even chatted about this a little bit last week. Well, we learn things about the Lord's prayer life in that encounter. There's th three things in particular that I, I could think of. 
One of them is that the Savior was continually aware of the presence of the Father and the Spirit. We can be aware of the presence of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's promised to us throughout Scripture. Probably the most articulate point is John chapter 14, if anyone would like to follow that up, where Jesus says not only is the Holy Spirit going to come, but Jesus will come and manifest himself to believers and, and the father and the son will come and they will abide with us and, and the spirit will teach us. And there's the work of the Trinity in our life. So learning to be continually aware of the presence of the father and the spirit. Now, again, uh, dear listener, if you want to follow up on that, send us an email or uh, contact Chris through the uh, abiding memoirs of abiding website uh, and ask some questions and, and we'll follow up on that second observation that we see in this encounter of, with jesus in the gospel of matthew is he abided in previously revealed truth the written word of god so apart from the written word of god we can't get to know him very well Getting to know him requires that we abide in his word. So as Jesus, so so for us. And you'll see that in that passage in, in Matthew chapters 3 and 4. And a third observation from that passage, he prayed all the time, on the go, in the middle of it all, among the folks, off by himself. And you begin to see that in that passage where we're introduced to Jesus uh, showing his dependence upon the Father. He just he just breaks out in prayer. He just he prays all the time. Uh, it's it's learning those things, applying them in our life, and not just those three observations, but a ton more that come as a result of abiding. And and then those circumstantial things and situational things that you were talking about begin to iron themselves out as opposed to us having a seminary class on praying. Yeah. There's, I can teach a seminary class on praying. Well, I can't teach a seminary class. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not that qualified, but I could teach a Bible class uh, on, on prayer. And I can even teach what are the things that Jesus did in order for him to be in complete agenda harmony with the Father and the Spirit. We can show a person, we can learn from the Bible, that a switch has to be flipped. But each individual has to choose to flip that switch. Mm. You know, so if they're not willing to abide in the word, like Jesus asked us to, if we won't go in search of the patterns of prayer and dependence that Jesus demonstrated, then it's not likely that we'll get to that place in prayer. We'll probably have a less than spectacular prayer life. I think I could ask you a question, and I think I know what the answer would be. Over the years that you've, let's say the last five years or so, as you have pretty much daily pursued 
knowing the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit better. And that in not some mystical formats, not in not in all the tricky ways that people have taught over the years, but in what we're talking about, the abiding process that Jesus himself teaches us. Has the intimacy of your prayer life increased? I think it it has, and it's the perspective of my prayer life has shifted too. Yeah. How's the perspective shifted? So when I would pray for these needs and desires, that the supplications, it was, I mean, I, I'll be honest, for the longest time, I, I do think that they were, they were just like that passage in James. Um, it, I'm going to, I'm going to read it to answer that because I was just talking about this actually to myself, one of my many voices in my head, I was talking to two and um, St. James four. What is the source of the quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it not the source of your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and you do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And you do not ask, or you ask and you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you can spend it on your own pleasures. Hmm. I think I had so many desires. We called it supplications earlier that I would get this specific job, that I would get this specific promotion, that I would, you know, inherit this or that, you know, something would happen in my life. And they're they're potentially good things, but they were so self-focused that mm -hmm. I would benefit from it. And I think I've come to an understanding through living this life differently that those things, um, and, and they didn't, I mean, some of them may have come true, but that may have just been the course of, of whatever. But when I looked at how I was praying, um, I've shifted it. So I might I might say I, I've got a, a difficulty, uh, legal difficulties in life. And I may shift it and say, Lord, take this away completely. That may have been my prayer. And, and actually it was. It was a prayer <laughs> that I, I shared with you many years ago. But nowadays I, I don't pray that the... Um, that that is removed. What I do is I pray for the strength to go through it. I pray that the Lord is with me through that, that he supports me, that he provides and that he fights the battle. So that's not just in that specific instance, that's in different instances. That's, you know, in, in when I pray over someone who's sick, um, if it's just a, a sickness, of course, I'm, I'm going to pray that they get better. But I also, um, especially if it's like a really bad condition, I also pray that their condition towards God will be changed through what they're going through. So if if they have some sort of um, heart condition that's causing heart palpitations, uh, this is just a theoretical, but I may pray for them to be healed. But I may also pray that while this occurs, that they find daily their strength and their sustenance from the Lord, that this would bring them to a deeper faith and position in their life with God. I would have never prayed that five years ago and right. that would not have been my focus. So because of the intimacy that I have with God, I can trust God, not just to make things better, scrub the, the board clean, but that in the process of doing that 
in that season that they are sick or that they're struggling financially or that they're without a job, that he will show up and that he will do the same things in their life that he's done with me, which is to build up that trust and intimacy, to give them that faith and that hope. And that's that's the perspective shift that I, I think has really transformed when I pray. Amen. So going back to what you where you, where you went to in James, you know, you have not because you ask not. And when you do ask, you ask for the wrong motives. So you can still ask for the things that you asked for in the past. Sure. But but because of abiding, right? Now another truth has has erupted. Not only are you abiding in God's word and in God's work and in his love, as a result, you're abiding in his will. So now you might be making the same request. A person might be praying about the same thing. You know, God, heal my marriage. God, help my children. God, help me find a job. So now we're now more consistency in asking. But that second proposition in James and when you ask, you ask for the wrong motives. Now that's being repaired, as you explained, right? That that connection with God is strengthened. And now the will of God is being expressed in your prayers. And Lord, I want to continue to pray about this. But most importantly, I want your will to be done in my life. And help me to rest in that. Uh, if you answer positively woohoo <laughs> if you answer negatively woohoo i there's you got something else yeah, going yeah. on that i don't know about if you want me to wait all right woohoo because i honestly feel i am as emotionally invested in your will as i once was solely in mine and it's when those kind of character issues of the heart and soul and spirit grow, which comes from abiding, then our prayer life grows. Why? Because like the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we are developing agenda harmony. We're truly in a true personal give and take relationship is occurring. And now prayer becomes easier and not as hard. I agree. Yeah. 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 Then on. And well, and when you're is... go ahead, when you're in fellowship with one another like you and I are, even though we're thousands of miles apart, we can see it in one another's life. So I would encourage people to not only tackle this subject, but uh tackle it with other people. That's what I was saying earlier about you know at our church, texting, uh believe it or not, texting really was was something that helped us to incorporate the things we're talking about quicker it wasn't just that we could share prayer requests faster we were learning with one another the principles of abiding and as we learned the principles of abiding and more and more folks at church began to develop this intimacy with the lord we saw an increase in our desire to pray and the power of prayer because we we're praying for the will of God. Yeah. Like I, like yeah. I see yeah. in your life. I don't know. Uh, 
we have a, a Bible study about how Jesus does all of this. I don't know if I ever sent that to you or if we've uploaded it to the uh, someplace where people can get it. But yeah, we can. I, I think, isn't that on your your uh, website? Is that one on your website? I don't know. Definitely but... share it. I, I can share it on our um, on the memoirs of abiding as a link. Yeah. And then yeah. we'll we'll put the link in the, the show notes here. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I think this was a good dive into communication. And, and remember, the desire of the heart is as we get closer and draw nearer and the, the intimacy that we have with God deepens and increases. So does the time of prayer and communication with him. And, and that's that's where the desire of the heart shifts. So, yeah, thanks for bringing that back together, Ricky. Let's let's pray. Lord Jesus, I pray over all of our listeners. I pray for Ricky and myself, Lord, that as, as we continue to deepen our relationship with you, to get closer to you, to trust you more, to put more hope in you and, and in your words and in your will, God, that that would drive us more and more to our knees and praying over those people in our lives that don't know you, those situations in our lives that need you, and in uh, every other supplication, Lord, I pray that it, it responds um, or that we respond in our lives with more adoration towards you and, and looking at your creation and just giving thanks for your creativity and your imagination and, um, and your order too as well, Lord. And God, I just pray that each, each person will deepen and deepen and that they're perspective will shift and shift for you and uh, and to find that that moment when it shifts over when prayer is no longer hard it's no longer awkward it's no longer something that they don't think about but instead lord it is something that comes and just flows that it's something that's something that is easier for them to shift into and, and that they desire it they, they run to it the first thought in their mind when they see something that's uh, not what they'd like to see or not what they'd like to feel towards. We pray over that and, uh, and ask your blessing for each and every one of these people. In the name of Christ Jesus, we pray. So we want to end with an important scripture that reminds us to abide in him. John 14, 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and we will come to him and make our abode with him. As you walk through this week, we encourage you to review the scriptures and themes we talk about and ask the Holy Spirit to team up with you to bring this information to life personally in your walk. Thank you for listening and God bless.